All right. Good morning. Okay, let's come on back. Sorry, I had to uh, replace the batteries really quick. The, uh, I thought we had enough for the whole session, but uh, the singing from Rain and the dancing from Jolie <laughs> took all the juice out. For those of you who didn't, didn't notice, Jolie was dancing like there was no tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> I didn't want to stop him. I didn't want to encourage him. So I just thought, since he's, that's his way of worshiping, so we'll just let him worship. I think that's his way of worshiping. Uh, how are you guys? You guys doing well? You doing good? Summer's is almost over. I know some of us are excited that the summer's almost over. Some of us are not too excited that the summer's almost over because school is starting, right? But it will be good. It will be good either way. Um, so for this morning, uh, we are going to go. We are going through a series of, of topics. We're currently we're going through a series of topics where. We believe it is good for all of us at Restoration to know and to have a better understanding of, in terms of who we are in Christ, both individually and corporately. When I say corporately, I mean as a body of, of um, uh, as, as a church body. So this is so that we as people can all be equipped and ready for where God is taking us into the next season. And as the next season, as we're celebrating our second birthday, which is coming up. Uh, so we, we want to make sure that we fully understand and, and be reminded of who we are, what we have, and what God has called us to be. Uh, several weeks ago, we started, we started with a topic of uh, restoration as a prophetic church. Uh, that's when we went through uh, the simplicity of some basics about hearing from God and how to practically uh, work it out from the standpoint of us individually and us as a church corporately. Uh, and, also, and then after that, we went on the topic of healing and what does it mean to live as people who are, like the song we just sang, people who are whole, are healed through the word of God. And last week, we went in-depth on the importance of being a committed member of a local church. I share about um, God is intentionally and specifically setting us into a local church family, and Jesus is building his church through us. So therefore, when we are committed to a local church and committed to serving our local church, and in this case, restoration, we are committed to Jesus' plan, and we're committed to serving Jesus. So then when we serve within a local church setting, we're not serving others. We're serving Jesus if we look at it from a big picture standpoint. And this week, we're going to talk about restoration as a kingdom-minded church. Uh, next week, we'll share on the topic of worship, what it is to be true worshipers, both individually and worship as a church body. And uh, Vanessa is going to close out the series on the Holy Spirit the Sunday after that, which is on September 2nd. So the kingdom. Before I say anything about the kingdom, I do want to say that this topic itself deserves much, much more than just 30 seconds. 30 minutes, not 30 seconds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim my 30 minutes, so it's not 30 seconds. It, ta it requires a lot more than 30 minutes to talk about. There are few biblical subjects that are as vast and as controversial as the kingdom, as this one. So I just want to throw it out there just to let you guys know I fully understand it's very big and it's very controversial. And to be honest, I was very overwhelmed as I was preparing for this. This, uh, because it's so vast, there's so many things to talk about. And, then, and there are so many theologians that actually well-known, well-respected theologians that disagree on the topic of kingdom. 
So there's just so much to talk about. But I'm going to try my best to share about what the scripture has to say about kingdom and how it applies to us as a church at Restoration. And hopefully closing out with an encouragement for all of us to be a kingdom-minded church body. So here we go. This is my stab at the kingdom of God. So first and foremost, whenever we talk about the kingdom, we need to know who is the king in this kingdom, right? And if you're here for more than two or three times, we always talk about Jesus as the king, and he is always the king. And it's not because we're making it up. There are verses in the Bible, many, many verses within the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament on who is the king. Uh, I just grab a few verses uh, from Ma- that we all know and very familiar with. For example, from Matthew 28, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that means he's a king. He has all the authority in this kingdom. Uh, and also in Psalm 132, the Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. And also in Revelation 19, verse 17, on his robe, And on his thigh, he has a name written, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, Jesus is the king in this kingdom that we're going to talk about. And just to frame a background so we can have a better understanding of the kingdom, I want to briefly take us back to Colossians. We spent roughly the first six months of this year to go through the book of Colossians. And the theme that kept coming through in the book of Colossians was that we have been rescued We've been rescued from the imprisonment of of temporary perspective, rescued from the the sense of self-righteous living in terms of just selfish living. Um, Don't be offended by that because that's what we all have. And an impending spiritual death. That's what the Colossians was called, the dominion of darkness. We were, through our acceptance of Jesus, we, as our God, acceptance of Jesus as our God and our Savior, we've been rescued from that imprisonment into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God by Jesus. So this kingdom of God, kingdom of light, kingdom of heaven, they all mean the same thing for the sake of this morning's sermon. And to keep things simple, I'm going to try to stay in just Matthew 13 for those who may be familiar with it. So this is where Jesus spoke at length about the kingdom of heaven through the various parables. There were, there were many parables in here that started with the kingdom of heaven is like you got the mustard seed, you got the yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like the sower. The king of heaven is like the man who sowed good, good seed in his field, the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like the fine pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like the catch of all kinds of fish. So there's a lot of parables about the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to try to stay in here. And for those people who don't know Jesus or currently not aware of the kingdom of God, they may sound like just simply cool parables that you can apply to your life. However, to us, to those who have accepted Jesus, these parables have much, much deeper meaning. These parables address many different situations uh, with how people are impacted or not impacted by the kingdom of God, right? So for this morning, I want to specifically talk about one parable in here. Well, maybe two parables. So the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl, as I believe these parables apply to restoration and to all of us. So, so let's read this, these two parables before we go through them. So the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for the fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Both of these parables speak to the great value of the treasure and the, and the pearl, right? And as people who found these items of great worth and more importantly, understood, understood the significance of these items, this person, you, I, he or she, joyfully and willingly sold everything. Everything they had, everything they had possession of it, just so they can have it. I'm going to give a spoiler alert right off the bat. Okay? The kingdom of heaven is that hidden treasure. <laughs> but you need, still need to listen. The kingdom of heaven is that pearl that, we, that you see uh, up there on the parable. So we find the great treasure. We find this kingdom when we come to the revelation that Jesus is God and he died for our sins. That is the only way. I don't know how else to say it. It's the only way. It is available to everyone. Everyone can have it. But it can only but be found in Jesus, this great treasure. We will never be able to find this great treasure if we try to do it on our own, no matter how hard we try. Right? We can fast all day, every day, completely change our lifestyles. We can meditate all day, every day. We can travel to the highest mountaintop, talk to the, all the spiritual gurus and experts, whatever they call themselves, read all the books in the history of mankind go into outer space, go to the center of the earth, create all the amazing technologies that we have, we will still never be able to find this great treasure, this kingdom, this kingdom of God. That's referred to this in, in the parable until we look to Jesus. This kingdom, this treasure is hidden in Jesus and only, only can be found in Jesus. We know this because in John 3, verse 3 and 5, it said, no one can see the kingdom of God, unless they are born again, right? And in verse 5, it said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. So no one can either see it or enter into the kingdom of God without Jesus. I want to use an illustration to help us have a better understanding of what the kingdom is like. We, when we accept Jesus, we have possession of it but it's not completely here yet. So it is like we are using, uh, going off Colossians, what we were talking about, we were rescued from the dominion of darkness. So just think of us like we're prisoners, right? We've been framed, wrongly imprisoned for a terrible, hideous crime. And we're being held in isolation of a prison cell for the life sentence with no possibility for parole. Kind of depressing, isn't it? Just think of it. Then Jesus came and kicked down the prison cell door, and he's telling us, you're now free to leave this stinking, smelly, small prison cell. By the way, small is, if you guys ever know, the average prison cell is six feet by eight feet. That's including your bed and your toilet. So it's pretty small and smelly and stinky. He said, you're now free to leave. I have paid for your life sentence, the life sentence that you can never get out. You can never go on parole. You can now come and live in my palace that's made of vibranium. Have you guys ever watched the marbles? Titanium, gold, jewels, diamonds, what have you. So that's what he's saying. And then, he's give, and then he gives us this, this smartphone, right? Because this is 2018, the smartphone. The, 
If you're old school, you can go with a flip phone. If you're really old school, it just, Jesus give you a sheet of paper with directions on it. But anyway, so he's giving us this, this smartphone to give us direction on how to leave the prison to walk into his palace, to walk to his palace. So we've been given a way out through Jesus from the imprisonment of our death sentence. We've been set free, and now we're on our way to this magnificent palace where Jesus is preparing a place for us. As in right now, in this season, until Jesus comes again in all of his brilliant glory for all living creatures to see, the kingdom of God is like a piece of a smartphone that we have in our possessions. It's the, using the illustration that I just used. It is leading us out of our prison, leading us into a spacious place that God has for us. And it's proof that we belong in the kingdom of God. And it's telling us where to go, right? It has a GPS system. It's telling us where to go. I, that's what I use all the time. I hope you guys use a phone for your GPS. It's telling us to go. It's proof that we're free and it belongs to Jesus. And it's telling us we can use it to ask him for any question that we have. We can use it, for example, to talk to the security guard to say, hey, I'm free now. This is proof that I'm free. Or talk to the other prisoners. So we want to hang on to that phone with everything that we have, right? If you've been free from your prison cell and this proof that you're free, you want to hang on to it. We don't need to take anything else. I mean, I'm speaking like I've been in prison, but I haven't. But I've seen a lot of movies. We don't need to take anything else from this prison cell that we were in. You know, we don't need to take our cigarettes, our toilet paper, our pictures, our water, or whatever, because all those things are nothing compared to where we're going. Using that as a comparison, the life that, was, that we're living right now on earth is us exiting the prison cell, walking to the spacious freedom, walking to the king's palace that Jesus has given for us, the freedom that Jesus has given for us. So physically, I'm still in the body of the prisoner, right? Stay in the illustration with me. But mentally and spiritually, I know that I'm free. We know that we're free. We know that we've been free. We're walking toward the king's palace. We know that we're getting out. I'm going to the king's palace. So the exit walk may seem like a long time, but it's nothing compared to an, an eternity. Right? I'm 47 years old. It may seem like a long time to my younger son, right? He's only six. 47 is a long, long time. But then again, six is nothing compared to 82. Can I use you as an example? 83. See, 83 is a long time. But 83 is nothing compared to 10,000 years. It's nothing compared to 100 years. It's nothing compared to an eternity. So as we are making that exit, as we're walking, that's the life that we're in right now. And this, this gift that Jesus has given us is leading us. And it's also proof that we belong somewhere else. We've been granted access to God's kingdom. We've been given instruction on how to get to God's kingdom. We have a guide that tells us what to do, what, where to go, what to say. A very simplified version, when we be given a piece of the kingdom of God, using that illustration of a prisoner. So that's something that we want. To, that's what the parable was saying, right? You want to sell everything that you have. You want to give everything that you have to hang on to that proof that I've been set free. 
proof that I belong somewhere else. I don't belong in this prison. I don't belong in this life anymore. This is not where I live. I'm just leaving. I'm exiting. I'm going somewhere else. You want to constantly keep an eye on it. Right? We want to consciously know where it is at all times. Right? If that's the sign and proof of our freedom, and that means that we belong somewhere else, we want to listen to it, pay attention to it at all times. We want to hold on to it with a death grip and never lose it. Give everything for it. See, once we understand the incredible treasure that we have through Jesus, we will not trade it for anything. We won't trade it for fame, power, money, comfort. Our lives will be transformed once we stay focused on this gift that we know that we belong to the kingdom. Because if we stay focused on the kingdom, everything in our lives will realign about the kingdom. Because if power is our focus, we will look at people in the way of how we can gain power, how we can use people to elevate us, how we can get them to think about us and notify us. If we think about money as a focus, we will think about what can we do to make more money? How can I get people to give me more money? Or sex. We think about like people as sex objects all versus how can they get what they need from, well, how can I get what I need from them? So when we keep the kingdom as our main focus, every decision that we make in our lives will line up with what we're focusing on. And that's the kingdom. And when we keep that in the focus and hang on to it with everything that we have, we, our lives will be transformed through that knowledge, through that understanding that we belong somewhere else. We're going somewhere else. I was preparing this morning and uh, this old hymn that came to mind, and I was playing it, and I think our family's probably sick of me. I was playing it over and over and over again. And this is old hymn, and this is what it said. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The reason the things of earth will grow strangely dim is because when we keep our eyes and focus on Jesus and the kingdom, everything else will slowly fade away. Strangely, strangely fade away in the light of his glory and his grace, right? If we take our eyes off Jesus, money becomes a big thing. We talked about money a little bit last week. It's a, such a strong pull. The power of money is incredible. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, turn our eyes upon Jesus, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and his grace. That's the same thing with what we have when we have Jesus. Keep our focus on Jesus. I can say this because I have kids, and we love our kids. But we need to always focus on the kingdom because we know that our king loves our kids more than I can possibly love them. I tell my kids all the time. I will always love you no matter what. You know, God loves you so much more than I can ever possibly love you. So if we keep our eyes on the king and the kingdom, we know that our kids will be taken care of. God will take care of them. And as we focus on that, we, our lives will line up with where God is taking us. We will live a kingdom-minded life. We will be transformed. That's how people are transformed because we, our focus is on one thing. As we grow in the knowledge of the kingdom of God, 
then we can start sharing with other people. People can see the way we live and how we make decisions, what we place as a priority for our lives. So the kingdom in the present time, so kingdom in scripture in, in the present time is God's reign over our lives, right? Because right now the kingdom of God is not a physical territory or, or a group of people because if you think of it like the British kingdom, right? The British kingdom, they have a physical territory that comprised of Ireland, Scotland, I think. Used to be Australia and who knows what. So that's an actual physical territory and also a group of people. You belong to the British territory, kingdom, or the Roman. You know, the Romans belong to the Roman uh, kingdom. But the kingdom of God right now in the present is not synonymous with Rome, with physical territory or people. It's about just the people that submit to God and follow him. Because the kingdom of God doesn't use force to bring people under his reign. Just like when I was using the example, Jesus would kick down the door and say, you are free now. You can come with me if you want. Some of us decide to stay. But Jesus doesn't use force to pull us out. I wish he would. That would save me a lot of times, a lot of those past years of pain and suffering. But he would just open the door and allow us to walk through. It's not false religion. False religion doesn't hesitate to use force. It would use power, military might, or overwhelming wealth to bring people under its control and, 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 and uh, influence by its persuasion, make it a subject. But the kingdom of God is about transforming an individual's life. As we're free, as we're being transformed, the kingdom of God is growing within us. And as we follow God's leading and align our lives to it, like I was saying, we will see more clearly, clearly where are we going, where we belong to, the king's palace or the prison. We will see clearly of what's better, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory. And also, we will see more clearly the status, using the illustration that I used, the status in the life of the other prisoners. As we walk in out of the prison, you can see the other prisoner, right? They're probably standing there. You realize, wait, that's where I was. This is where I am. It does not seem like it's nice because I'm sure the other prisoner would probably tell us, hey, you're delusional, man. You're going to your execution room. They may say that. Or they may say, why do you want to do that? I have people feeding us, telling us what to eat, telling us when to work out, telling us when to exercise, giving us a place to live. But it's because they don't know better. Because we have king. We have the king and his kingdom. And it's an amazing kingdom. So as we focus on God and focus on the kingdom and give everything that we have, we begin to realize and see more and more of the bigness of who God is and what he has planned for us. Just like what Vanessa said came through this morning. There is an inheritance for us. So as we are walking out of the prison cell, this, this illustration is our inheritance. Don't lose it. Don't lose track of it. Follow it. Because instead of turning right to exit the prison, we don't want to turn left to go to the cafeteria to get more food. You want to follow this. Instead of turning right to go exit to go to the king's palace, you don't want to turn left to go to the library to look at some things that you shouldn't be looking at. Because you will lose track of where you're going. That's what the kingdom of God is in the present time. And there will be a lot of persuasion, a lot of poor people will tell us things that are wrong. And we're going to give up a lot of things. Give up everything that we had, right? 
everything that we know about the prison cell, even though it's small, stinky, and smelly, but if that's all you have, you don't know there's something so much better. There's something so much better for all of eternity. The kingdom of God is just a glimpse of the things to come right now for us. You know, from Revelation, uh, if, if you want to know what it's really like when the kingdom of God, when Jesus comes back again, read Revelation 21. It's incredible. If, you, if we read that every single line, it's amazing. That's why I understand now some people say, Jesus, please come tomorrow, because it is amazing. It is amazing. And if you read 11, uh, Revelation 11, verse 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. It will come in the designated time. But it will come. It will become a physical kingdom, as we talked about. All things living and non-living will get to see what the kingdom of God is like. But as of right now, in Luke 17, verse 21, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. There's some translation that said the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is within us or is in our midst. It's here. We have it. We have possession of it. Using the illustration that I have, we have possession of it. We belong to it. It's proof. It's proof that we belong to it. It may appear small, but it's worth something far more than anything that we have ever owned or possessed. Just think about, you know, just think about all the money that we may have accumulated. That may sound awesome, but using the illustration that I just used, it's kind of like a pack of cigarettes in the prison cell, right? You may think it's awesome. I can trade a pack of cigarettes for, I don't know, a f food. It may be awesome, but in the king's palace, in the kingdom of God, it's really nothing. If we have that understanding that God has so much more for us, we will realize that our inheritance in the kingdom of God is so much more amazing. Don't lose that. Don't lose focus on that. Uh, R.T. Kendall had a really good uh, phrase on the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is the ruling of the ungrieved spirit in the life of, the, of a believer. This is from Ephesians 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you will seal for the day of redemption. So when we follow the Holy Spirit, follow the leading of God, walk into where we walk into, the Holy Spirit will be ungrieved. And he will lead us and guide us and take us into the kingdom of God, into the king's palace. I want to end by just using some practical application for us. Jesus, as I said, no one can see or enter the kingdom of God without Jesus. You need to accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and that he's, he died for our sin. Number two, don't lose sight or undervalue the kingdom. We have possessions of it. But if you look around, you don't see the kingdom, right? With your, visit, with your natural eyes. Everything is the same. Just the same things we're exiting the prison. You look around, well, it's still the same, right? Everything is not different. But as we keep on going, stay focused, we will enter into a spacious place that God has for us. And tell people about the kingdom. 
It's the same thing as I was saying as we're walking through. There's going to be those who want to know, hey, how did you get free? Tell me. Tell people about it. All those who's going to call us that we're stupid, that we're gullible. Telling us that we are mistaken. Why do we want freedom? Why do you want to live forever? Right? We want to live forever. So either way, we know that Jesus has set us free. Has given us access to his kingdom. We want to know that and hang on to it. In the parables, it talks about cost. Give everything that you have. When you give everything that you have, that you own, that you possessed, joyfully and willingly, that's when you stay focused on the kingdom. Because if money is still as important as the kingdom, we will get distracted. Like I said, we're probably going to turn left instead of turning right to go where the kingdom is. If, if we value things or property, we may decide to turn left to go into the cafeteria to get more food, dessert, treats, whatever, instead of turn right and go where the God is taking us to go. There is a cost to it, but what I always want to emphasize is the privilege. Don't forget the privilege that we, God has called us to do the things that God has called us to do. He's equipping us don't ever feel that we're not qualified. He is equipping us. He, I, I wasn't preparing for this, but I, there's, there's in Romans that are preparing for this phrase. But in Romans, it says he called, he equipped those he, who he called. I think it's in Romans. So don't feel like, well, until I'm ready, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. When you, we do what God's called us to do, he will equip us. Have faith in that. That's part of what it costs. It's just let your, your, your embarrassment take over. And trust in Jesus. Go on where he's calling us to go. Maybe just let a job promotion pass by. Because we know we don't want to cheat, lie, and steal just to get it. Just let opportunity go by. Because if we know this is what God's calling us to do. Follow it. Pursue it. Do it joyfully and willingly. We can only do that if we have the revelation of who Jesus is. When we keep thinking about it. Focusing on it. Keep our eyes upon Jesus. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim. It's surprising. It's surpri- it will be very surprising how things grow dim. The things that we used to value as important. And I want to end by saying that the, the term kingdom, I know I didn't really do the kingdom justice because there's so much to it. But I just want to give us some practical handle of what kingdom means in this day and age and how we can hang on to it, how we want to pursue it, give everything up for it. And that's the only thing that you want to hang on to as we're leaving the place that we are, the place that we do not belong to. I want to end by saying you know, the kingdom is mentioned 126 times in the Gospels, but only 34 times in all the other books of the New Testament. So you can see, so we can see, the kingdom of God is important to Jesus. He kept repeating it over and over and over again. And if it's important to Jesus, it needs to be important to us, individually and as a church. It is something that we always want to keep in the forefront of our minds and the things that we do and the decisions that we make. Because we belong in the kingdom of God, right? There's a king in this kingdom, and his name is Jesus. It's difficult for us to understand. I think difficult for me, and I think it may be difficult for some of you guys to understand the concept of a king. 
or the kingdom, right? Because America, we've never been subject to a king, a human king. Maybe I can say that with, with pride because we don't want to be subject to a king. We actually fought to not be subject to a king. But that caused us to not understand what it means to be subject to a king in this kingdom. Because a subject to a king of God and uh, a subject in the kingdom of God and of the king, that means we pledge our allegiance to him. You know, our expectations. God, what do you want us to do? I'll do it. What we value, our priorities, our lifelong missions, is for the king and his kingdom. Just like those movies that you see. I watch a lot of movies, for those of you who don't know. You see those knights, they're always just sitting around waiting for the king to send them on a mission somewhere. It's like, please send me. That's what it is to be a subject to a king in a kingdom. God, where do you want me to go? Some of us may say no. Some of us may not want to go. But it's important to say, God, where do you want us to go and what do you want us to do? Because you are the king. You are the king in this kingdom that we belong to. So I want to encourage you guys, read and meditate on Matthew 13. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more to us what it means to belong in the kingdom of God and what it is, what it is that we have, that we possess, and don't lose it. Give everything for it, joyfully and willingly. It will become easier as we focus on it and have a better understanding of what it is. Because right now, in this present time, it is a spiritual kingdom until Jesus comes back. But, but when he does, it will no longer be a spiritual kingdom. That's what we want to keep our eyes on. The actual kingdom where everyone will see. Where everyone will see, but not all will be able to enter because it will be too late by then. So I say all that to say we at Restoration, we want it to be a kingdom-minded church. We want to focus on the kingdom because we're God's people. We want to be subjects to the king of this kingdom. We want to leave everything behind joyfully and willingly and go all in, right? If we just kind of go half in, half out, we're not really subjecting our life to the king. We want to have the revelation of what is important, which is, again, the king and his kingdom. And pursue that relentlessly, right? If you guys ever want something so bad that you just can't take your mind off it, that's all you want until you get it, I think we all have, right? Am I lying? Am I, am I the only one? Okay, maybe Marie and I are the only two. But when we want something so bad, you just can't think about anything else. Yes, that is what we want with the kingdom. It may sound too much, too strong, but when we start focusing on the kingdom and the king, everything will become easier. The things that we used to think that was important will grow dimly strained. Strange, there you go. Thank you. So we want to hold on to that revelation tightly and don't be distracted. You know, don't be distracted by other people. Don't be, dist be persuaded to change course to say, well, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? Why are you giving up your nice Sunday morning with your family? Why aren't you going outside somewhere fun? It's because it's the king and his kingdom. So that's the cost. That's part of the cost. But the return, I guess, what's the business term? The reward for it. It's beyond what we can explain to people because our mind cannot comprehend how awesome he is. That's what we want to be at restoration. It's 
maybe too strong for some, maybe strange, but that's what we want. We don't want to do anything 50-50. We want to go all in. I want to encourage all of us, spend more time with God. Spend more time in God, pursuing the things that are what is important because eternity is so much more important than something fun for five years. Five years may seem like a long time, but for 83, it's nothing. For an eternity, it's nothing. Constantly remind ourselves and encourage each other and remind everyone who has ears to hear about the kingdom that we belong to, right? the kingdom that we've gone toward. That's what the kingdom is. And try to help explain to people. But keep in mind, don't be discouraged if they're not able to see the kingdom or that they may not be able to enter the kingdom because only through Jesus, only through Jesus. So Jesus needs to be first and foremost. Share with them about the Jesus so that they can enter the kingdom, so they can see the kingdom of God. Amen. Okay, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we can close our meeting for, for today. Uh, Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just thank you for your heart. Thank you for your, uh, your presence as you hear, as we gather to worship you, as we gather to lift you up, as we gather to honor you, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for you that we belong in your kingdom, that we are part of your kingdom. And we want to lift you up, Lord Jesus, and acknowledge that you are our king, now and forever. We want to pledge everything that we have to you. We want to give everything to you, to have more of you, to see more of you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will come and just give us a greater level of revelation of who you are, God. Just give us a greater level of revelation of the kingdom, this amazing kingdom that we belong to. Just give us a glimpse of the kingdom that we are going toward, that we belong to, that you are preparing a place for us. I just pray that right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that you would give us the courage and the conviction and the boldness to be able to pursue your kingdom regardless of the cost, Lord. Just regardless of the cost. And I just pray that we are able to say and speak with confidence that when we look upon your face, Lord, and see the wonderful, how wonderful you are, all the other things will fade away before your glory and your grace and your might. And we just pray, for, and I just pray for that in the name of Jesus over all people. Here, those you are sending, I just pray for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.